welcome back to the Active Podcast. Podcast for the real. Why am I saying it's weird? Podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh, and I am Josh Hallman. As a reminder, Act Two is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. So this podcast is one of the many things that we do. You can also check out our mentorship that we do with Coverfly, where it's a career and industry mentorship. And that is at coverfly.com backslash career mentorship. You can also check us out on our website at Act Two Writers. We have a store. Oh, dropping it dropping it right now we have a store it's up and running officially yeah well i know it's been up and running but okay okay (laughs) i'm gonna get i want a t-shirt with a picture of us on it (laughs) that is actually in the works we also talked about last time about josh's inspirational posters which we gotta put in there too (laughs) i'm 100 percent sure i'm gonna look at the store one day and there's just gonna be like a goofy ass picture of me on like a coffee 1, mug. 1,000%. And I would not have told you. People are just going to start buying it and it'll be I'm a big a, surprise. I'm going to appreciate it so much too. Please also remember to subscribe to the podcast. You won't miss out on any of our upcoming topics that way. It also helps put us in front of other writers as well so that they can also join our community. If you'd want to kind of email us with questions or topic suggestions, you definitely can. You can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com. And that's all spelled out. Or on our Instagram at Act Two Writers. I'm also on Instagram at Story Thursday, on Twitter at Tasha 3.0, and Act Two is now on Twitter at Act Two Writers. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm on Twitter as Joshua Hallman and Instagram Josh Hallman. Boom. We have a great day Boom. today, Tasha. Today we're finally I'm 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 making you talk about becoming a showrunner. I don't like talking about myself. No, I know. That's why I'm just so excited about this. Well, we've 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 gotten a few questions. Yeah. They were like, "What the fuck? Tasha is a showrunner?" Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> no, 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 no. But everyone's got there's 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 some very specific questions, and I'm excited to talk about it today. I've twisted your arm long enough, and now finally it's happening. I hope I don't make a fool of myself with the questions. No. You won't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can we start with this week in writing, though? Because something really exciting has happened this week. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Robu is being released this week. Oh, Josh, oh, do you oh. want to tell us about that? If wow. I have to talk about myself today, you have to talk about yourself. All right. So my friend Kai and I, we made a short film together. Kai directed it. We wrote it together. It was in the Austin Film Festival in 2019. That's how long ago it was. And it's been like, we didn't know what was going on with it. Long story short, it's going to be on, I think it's premiering on this website, comicbook.com. Awesome. (laughs) And then then it's just going to be online in different places. And that's it. Finally, Robu is going to be in the world. No, you're missing a few key parts. One is, what is the logline? But two is, it won a shit ton of awards. Wow. The log line. I'm so happy you asked me on the spot what the log line is. (laughs) It's about this kid who travels to Japan and he starts realizing that his life is basically turning in like mirroring a manga. And then he's on this adventure and it's really fun. And Kai and I are currently writing a companion piece to Robu. Yes, you are. And it's so good. As we speak. Yeah. And uh, wow, this week in writing. 
Nice, Tasha. Yeah. So go check it out. Robu by Josh Hallman. Yeah. I'll throw it somewhere. It'll be in some link somewhere. <laughs> Better post it. <laughs> if anyone wants to watch it. Is that really, that's it? That's this week in writing? I have a, I have a couple more, but I feel like I'd, I'll turn turn the floor over to you now. No, the floor was just my floor. You oh, go. yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got some really good questions this week from actually my assistant, Kevin. Hey, Kevin. What um, up, Kevin? About writing. And every week we try to meet and just talk about writing stuff. And he brought up some really great questions. And the, the big one was about writer's block. What do you do when... You get writer's block. Maybe you like you've written all the way to your third act turning point, and suddenly you have no idea how your story ends, which happens to me all the time. Because I'm like, I'll figure it out. Eh, yeah. It'll sort of make itself clear by the time I get there. A, you should outline, and that's why we outline is so that you don't have this problem. But B, I feel like it. We've answered this actually in other episodes before, but I think a really great tool is just to write. And I know a lot of writers will like just stop writing because if inspiration hasn't hit them, they'll just kind of wait for inspiration to hit or they'll think they just need a break. And sometimes actually the best way through writer's block is really just to push through it. It's to write down every bad idea you can think of of what the third act could be. It could be they, they suddenly sprout wings and fly to Mars. It could be, uh, you know, Josh is actually an alien this whole time, which would be actually really, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but <laughs> um, it could be anything. It could be all these really terrible ideas, but then finally you get to the truth or it sparks something else that gets you there. Um, and the reason why I felt, felt like this topic was important is because, again, I know a lot of writers who check in with them after they say they've had writer's block and it's been you know several months you're like oh hey how's your did you finally end up finishing that third act and they say no they haven't they haven't been able to figure it out and i think that could have been prevented had they just yeah. done this process i think that's great because i will get obviously get writer's block and then i'll be like what am i doing how do, like what am how do i write and you just stop writing mm -hmm. but it's better to just see something on paper and be like okay i'm getting somewhere yeah it generates ideas it does generate ideas, but you have to like really convince yourself of this. I like you have to let yourself know I'm going to change this. I need to push forward because mm -hmm. we become so uh, stuck on getting the right idea rather than just any idea. That's a really great point. Recently, something I had to do this week was I have a deadline. And so I just had to finish this thing. And I knew that my first idea for what this scene was, was not a good idea. But I knew I just had to write it to see what the scene was, to like get a feel for how the characters are talking. How does the arc of the scene work? And yeah, the setup is going to be different. They're going to be in a different location. There's maybe a different character in here. But at least I just like got to write it. And 100%, like I was so, so afraid that I wasn't going to figure it out. But 100% after writing, it the bad version i could see now how to fix it because there's something on mm. paper now that i could just work with and kind of mold a little bit so yeah i always will advocate for trying to write through it do you remember physical paper i use physical paper i i yes oh wow you do remember it then <laughs> I, do, I do i'm old enough to still use it i guess <laughs> i just have a one this week in writing maybe two but just one I had a conversation recently and I was actually talking uh, to a friend and he and I were talking about new ideas that we were going to be working on. And I think we've probably touched on this before on this podcast, but I have to bring it up again. My friend, he, he has some like, you know, really personal stories that he wants to tell, but 
they kind of turn into like like not indie films, but a little bit more um, like Little Miss Sunshine. Like, yeah, I guess indie films, like just mm -hmm. much more like character based. And we were talking about how to put those into like high concept ideas because he mm -hmm. wants to write high concept, but he wants to mainly work on like really character based films, which I didn't think was a problem. I was like, those merge together actually perfectly. And we have always talked about this where it's like, just figure out the theme of, or like, you know, the characters and the theme of what you want to say in the movie and just throw that shit in like a really, really high concept idea. I feel like mm -hmm. that's the core to high concept is like figuring out how it relates to, well, obviously the idea is the core to high concept, but figuring out how it relates to you in a personal way. Mm -hmm. And this was just to say, you can always throw very personal stories into very big ideas. Yes. That's it. It was just a reminder because I think sometimes people feel like it has to be one or the other. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't. No. I feel like that's that's something I think about a lot too because you and I both work in really big worlds and big concepts. But yeah. it never works without following a very personal, in some ways small, character story. Totally. And I mean, that seemed, it seems almost obvious what I just said. And when I say big ideas, I don't mean like, you know, uh, like an uh, end of the world movie. I'm just talking about like a, an idea that's just feels larger than life. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it Does absolutely that make sense? makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And I don't, it is obvious, but I think that a lot of even high level writers still struggle with this idea. I've definitely read scripts from higher level writers that I think they get so caught up in the concept in the world, which is very easy to do. I certainly do it, um, that you miss the integral part of bringing it down, making it really personal, following through this crazy world that you've just created through the lens of, of one person or through the lens of something small and relatable. It's really, really hard to do. That's the process. But um, yeah, I don't think that's obvious at all. Oh, okay. Or it is, it's just hard. That actually brings me to uh, this week in writing that came up this week as well, where someone asked me, what do you do if someone submits a script to you to read for notes and their idea that they're so passionate about just gets so kind of convoluted that you almost read it and think they should abandon this project entirely. Like they've not executed this. It's clearly like in their brain, but not on the page. How do you give notes to someone when that's the script that you receive? What would your advice be? I would probably start big picture. Hey, what are you trying to say? What's the story about? I think you kind of need to start narrowing in on one or two relationships. Yeah. But I would never tell someone to abandon their dream. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't do that. It's terrible. You could just I could just picture their face just dropping. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I think I would do the same thing. And something that I've done before in the past when I felt that way about someone's script is I've started with asking why they wrote the script not in an accusatory yeah. way but like what <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> what are you even <laughs> but like wh what what's your passion like what are you trying to say here why do you love this idea and just have them talk abstractly and then from there you can be like oh, okay like you really want to tell a love story between people of different ethnicities well that's really interesting but it's not coming through in this script and here are some suggestions with maybe how to focus it into that idea so you're being really constructive because someone is passionate about an idea 
a you don't want to yeah crush their dreams but but b oftentimes if they are so passionate it can just be just a word vomit of ideas yeah. because they get so trapped in their own heads and your job as a note giver in that case is to help them see the path through to a reasonable story yeah totally and you know what i always think to myself i'm like sometimes i'll read scripts and i'm like wow what the fuck but then i remind myself that i know nothing and i've <laughs> i've read scripts before that have gone on to do really great things and have sold and 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 i've read that script and been like you know, and then you read scripts that are amazing that nothing happens with. So it's true. It's just it's just crazy. It's fucking crazy. This industry's insane. Too. Yeah, you never know. <sighs> no, I'm depressed. We... Great. <laughs> you want to talk about being a showrunner? Yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> okay, Tasha. When this podcast is done, a writer will be able to apply what you say and become a showrunner by this time <laughs> next year. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's the so, act two promise. <laughs> get ready, everyone, because you're going to be a showrunner soon. All right, Tasha. What is a showrunner? <laughs> Let's just start with the nuts and bolts. Um, so I am specifically a showrunner in animation, and that is my only experience as a showrunner. So I can speak to that and then also speak to what I've observed of showrunners in live action. But that will not be my experience. So my job as a showrunner... I'm sorry. Can we say what you're a showrunner on? Can we, we can talk about this, right? Yeah. Okay. You are a showrunner on the Tomb Raider series, which will be coming to Netflix in 2023. Yeah. And uh, you are going to be taking Lara Croft to new heights, telling new stories, and you mm -hmm. are overseeing this, and you are going to fucking kill it. Yeah. And I already know that. And I, I should have said what you're a showrunner on. <laughs> What do you do? What, do you what is do? this? So <laughs> yeah, that that that's kind of the 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 setup is that you that's what you're a showrunner on. That's Lara what Croft. I'm. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Netflix. Okay. Now, Tasha, what is a showrunner? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very aptly named. You you do run the show, so um, it it really starts with your original idea even though this is based on ip i had to pitch for it and maybe we'll get to sort of how i got the job but yeah i had to pitch what my vision for lara was what my vision for season one was and other people had to approve that and then once i got that job my job is now to make sure that that happens in the most effective way so everything from casting choosing the cast listening to all the auditions going to all the casting records and you know making sure the, the line like there's some directing there involved making sure the mm -hmm. lines are read properly you're also in this case meeting with the animation studio every week to talk about designs that they send you you give notes on designs you give notes on animation the animatics yeah. that they send you um, I'm constantly going over each script with my animation director. So we're on the same page about things, um, constantly having to field um, any any problem that comes up from really any aspect of the production, whether it's a script thing, which is, you know, my job as a writer. So the other things aren't really, they've not been my job before. And suddenly you're, I'm also having to solve problems that are in production, that are in post-production and music and all these other things that you sort of don't 
think about when you're just are just writing are yeah. all things that fall now under your purview as a showrunner. Yeah, you have to solve all the problems. All if, of them. Yeah, everything's falling on your shoulders. So that's what a showrunner does. It over that you oversee everything. Everything. And I also want to say that I'm sure down the line there's going to be another like Tomb Raider specific Tasha episode that I'll make you do. Yeah. <laughs> Once it comes out, it might be a little bit more fun to be able to yeah. get behind the scenes about some things. Totally. Well, having said that, Tasha, could you maybe tell us your path to becoming a showrunner? Have you always been a showrunner? <laughs> God, no. And also, I think this, I feel like this story is very anticlimactic. No, this is great. This is because it's, 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 well, I don't know the story, so go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have always actually I started writing in features and uh, kind of only in the second half of my career started writing for TV. And sort of the first big pilot that I wrote, I was attached as a showrunner, but because I have absolutely no experience, I was never in a writer's room at the time that I sold this and wrote it. Um, so I had no actual practical TV experience. So absolutely nobody on the team trusted me to run this, <laughs> even though technically I created it. Therefore, I am you know, the showrunner. Although there are shows where I've seen the creator steps back and just takes like a head writer role and then someone mm. else show runs. So that is an option. But for me, I wanted to show run. So I was kind of co-showrunner. But in order to make everyone feel safe in this process, they also wanted to hire an additional showrunner to sort of work with me that had more experience. So I hadn't gotten a showrunning experience. And when I actually applied for this job, for the Tomb Raider job, they also said in one of my first meetings that if you get this job, because you have no experience in television, we're going to have to pair you with a showrunner. And so mm -hmm. that was originally what I thought was going to happen. But in between that first meeting and when I actually got the job, I got a staff writing job on The Witcher. And because I had real writer's room experience, that convinced the Tomb Raider team that I had enough experience to then showrun the show. And to their credit, they took a really big chance and yeah. I think they wanted to take a chance on someone who could nail the creative idea. And the producers are and felt that they were strong enough to be able to support whoever they chose if they ended up being a new showrunner, which I was. Yeah, so I have a really great support team who's there as well. I can ask questions of like, how do I handle this? And yeah, what's the process here? And they help without judgment, which is really great. Yeah, is that, did that answer the question? You're damn right it did. And so... <laughs> I guess what I'm wondering is, are, are there like specific steps to becoming a showrunner? Because hmm. I mean, in your, your, you know, you obviously just laid out kind of your path, but could someone be like, okay, like a new writer being like, I want to, I want to run a show one day. And in order for me to run a show, I have to do boom, 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 boom. And obviously nothing is set in stone. Absolutely nothing is set in stone. But I, I think the best way to train yourself, because it is a really, really hard job. And I, I legitimately thought before this job that, yeah, I could, of course I could run my live action show. Why do you have to pair me with a showrunner? Okay, fine. If you feel more comfortable doing that, fine. But trust me, I could do it. And I don't know if I could, like, it would have... It would have driven me to the brink <laughs> if, if if my live action show had gone before I had TV experience, before I had this show running experience, oh. because it's so much. So I do advocate for having experience now that I have had it. 
Whereas before, <laughs> before I got yeah. the experience, I think I just would have been like, yeah, if you're, yeah, you could be a showrunner. Like, why do you need to be in a TV room? But <laughs> my answer now is it does feel like you need to be, in my case, I was just a staff writer once in one room before I got the showrunner job. And for me, that really prepared me in how to be collaborative with other writers, how to develop a story and be fluid about how that story does develop in a writer's room, um, how to approach actual real life practical problems. Like, hey, showrunner comes into the room and says, we actually don't have the money anymore for episode six to do this big fight scene that we had. And oh shit, that big fight scene was super key. Now we have to think of a new solution. Yeah. And getting these constant hurdles and having to work at a certain pace became really, really important as a learning step. So I would say try to get into a writer's room. That's really, really key. And also because practically, again, like as the example of Tomb Raider, they were going to hire a co-showrunner to work with me if I hadn't had TV experience because most people will not hire you for a showrunner job if you don't have previous TV experience. Yeah. Because it is a very difficult job. And that's, <laughs> that's interesting because I remember uh, we had talked about the co-showrunner thing, you know, mm. a while ago, and we had had this conversation, and I didn't even know that it was a thing. I yeah. guess I, I like, I'd never heard about it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm sure it happens all the time, but that's just like, is that a really common thing for new showrunners? Yeah, it's the usual conversation you have with an, a new writer who's never, definitely never been in a room. And yeah. certainly never been with the showrunner. It just gives everyone from Netflix who's going to distribute your show to the producers who are helping you create and develop the show. It gives them a lot more confidence if there's someone on that show who's actually done it. Again, because you are managing so many people and you're managing so much money. Yeah. I mean, like with any job out in the real world, you need to have some kind of of experience. Um, also, something that the WGA does, if you are in the WGA already, is they have a showrunner's training program oh so look into that go onto the jpg website google that um i've not been in it i like just missed the deadline before tomb raider i was hoping i could like get in there and learn some stuff before i got the job but i could like, just missed it but you can apply for it and other producers can also recommend you for it so um, definitely check that out and then if you are in rooms already or if you know people who are showrunners highly suggest just asking them for co to coffee, buying them a coffee and just picking their brain about the real life of a, of a showrunner yeah. and what are the obstacles that you have to face. Uh, that's definitely something I did. And those are all ways to prepare yourself. But I think if you're looking for a specific path, A, there isn't one, but B, starting in a writer's room um, is definitely key. So what qualities do you think a showrunner needs to have? I know you don't like to answer that. What I mean is, do you think at any point Netflix was like, this is a very responsible human being. We can just tell. Like in the hiring process or yeah. in the work process? Yes, I do think that. So I think there are standards. I'm not going to say that I, I fit this bill, but I think there are standards with which a showrunner can be judged. And one is, one is confidence, I think, in the story that you're telling. So you can, if you asked me, a dozen questions right now about Tomb Raider, the most obscure questions possible, I should be able to answer all 12 of those questions without hesitation because I know my story so well. <laughs> That's a new podcast, Rapid Fire. I'm gonna... <laughs> so confidence in your storytelling, I think, is a big one. Are you nice to work with? You know, are mm -hmm. you 
not argumentative? Are you okay taking feedback and direction? And if something goes wrong, do you freak out? Or do you focus in and handle it? And are you respectful to people? I know my producers, for instance, definitely went to every meeting that I had with like the animation company or my my production executive, my physical production executive. Like my producers were there at first just to be like, is Tasha gonna fuck this up? <laughs> is yeah, she yeah, gonna yeah. be really awkward? Is she gonna be terrible? And then once they saw that I could handle myself in a meeting and not only be respectful, but ask the right questions, answer the questions in all the right ways, and also take command and have opinions. So when you have all of those things, then they're like, okay, Tasha can handle it. So I, I really think it's about having command, having confidence, and being a leader. I know that sounds dumb. But no, that's, not at that's all. That's really what it, what it is like what you're saying about having like a good grasp on your show and kind of coming in being like, Hey, this is what this is. And I got this. We're good. I think, I think you can do with Tomb Raider that obviously like probably everyone like latched onto what your ideas were, but I think that's a big thing. Anyone I've talked to is like, you just got to be confident about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Never, never show like you're about to crumble. Yeah, exactly. But also I think an important part too of show running is because you're managing so many people and so many brains, many of whom are you know smarter than you, it's also being able to say, oh, that idea is better. Or, oh, yeah. that, that path forward is actually better. Rather than kind of sticking to your guns because I'm the leader and this is how it's gotta be, which I know I've heard horror stories of a lot of showrunners being that way as well. But I think a good showrunner that um, everyone on the team can trust and feel confident in it is someone who can also be malleable for the situation if needed. So humble. Jeez, Tasha. You don't take those <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Fuck that idea. So <laughs> when you uh, originally had done the pitch for Tomb Raider, you found out you got the job, were you just like terrified of the duties that were going to come with it? Or were you like, I'm ready. I got this. I don't think I knew. What oh yeah, was you don't know what you going don't know. to happen. <laughs> yeah, I did not know the full, uh, the full thing that I was jumping into, um, and it continues to surprise me. I think you know the more we go into production and the more things I that fall on my shoulders, I am continually surprised by. So uh, no, I was not prepared. And actually, I remember when I got the call that you got the job. I was like, okay. My producer was like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like. Tasha, I just told you, you're going to be the new showrunner for Tomb Raider. Like, aren't you excited? I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think like, he thought I didn't want the job, but I think I was just like, what the fuck does this mean? It might also yeah. not happen because now there's the deal making process and like, there's that's, that's a whole thing. And, but when it happens, what does it mean? And I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there something you learned about the business? Uh, that you didn't know before that you only could have learned by being a showrunner? Like everything. Wow. <laughs> it is the greatest job in the world, but also the hardest. I mean, personally, you learn so many interesting things as a writer creator of how to convey your ideas in a practical, but fantastic and interesting way. Mm -hmm. how to work with people who are going to actually put your words on the page into reality from actors to animators, board artists. It's, it's A, how to present yourself and B, how to write practically. I think that's mm -hmm. a big thing as a writer that I'm learning 
that hopefully I can bring with me to other scripts is how to write practically because so much of stuff when it actually gets sent to producers gets sent to Netflix it's like mm, that really won't work like it's a great idea yeah. Tasha but what is the quicker way to get to this idea or you know this is a tangent that we're not going to be able to get to whatever the case is like it's it's finding ways to write super effectively yeah and in the time because these are 22 minute episodes and i've never written anything shorter than 64 pages so wow <laughs> so it's it's kind of changed the way you thought about writing in a sense right like definitely are you looking at it from a business point of view where you're like okay this is going to be really expensive i can't do this Yes and no. I, animation is so different and I'm very lucky. I've actually had the reverse experience where I've written my dream scenario, like my dream set piece. And I'm like, yeah, they're definitely going to cut that. They're going to come back and be like, we can't afford that, Tasha. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and then I get like designs from the animation company on that insane set piece that I pitch and uh, they're going to do it. And they're going to find a way to make it happen. So I don't think you have that luxury in live action. So I'm very lucky. When you got the job, you kind of touched on this. Did you reach out to other showrunners and say, hey, I'm a showrunner. You've never met me before. Like, did you reach out to showrunners you didn't know? Yes. And were they receptive to you? Yes. I reached oh. out to one woman that I'd gone to the gym with. Hi, Nina. She's been a showrunner for animation for a very long time. So I reached out to her. And then I asked, actually, my... WGA contact who is in the animation sort of department at the WGA if she had any recommendations of showrunners that might be willing to talk with me about their process specifically obviously in animation as a showrunner and she recommended uh, these two fantastic showrunners who um, show ran for uh, Blood of Zeus mm. on Netflix and they are amazing and continue to be amazing and all three of them were because they're they're two brothers who did blood of zeus and then nina all three of them have been fantastic in just i can ask them anything and be like look i'm really insecure i've never done this what can i expect here and they just kind of flood me with big long emails about what to do and do it has taken a lot of fear out of different things do you feel like you're now part of like the showrunner society like you're like in the skulls where you can just call people and be like hey you, you kind of joke but it turns out there is a slack chat just for showrunners that i didn't know existed and i am now in it oh you are yeah do you have to put tasha uh tomb raider like you're, you're like when you introduce yourself your you have to be like this yeah this is what i do wait how many people are in this like a lot of people <laughs> like a lot of big showrunners and small showrunners all it runs the gamut it's just oh really so, yeah there is a secret society do you know who started it i think this happened during the pandemic and i think it might have been julie pleck who does like vampire diaries and i could be completely wrong and i apologize if i am all right julie all right maybe we should start an act two slack and people can just join us I think that's a fantastic why haven't we done that before oh you mean no one's ever told you about slack before <laughs> you mean every time i was like should we do slack it's a really sensitive topic <laughs> no i'm just kidding but actually let's start an act two slack i think we should people just talk okay i'm getting off track here so what would you recommend to writers if they're like i want to be a showrunner 
you basically kind of summed it up a little like stepwise. But what I mean by that is like, obviously you need the experience, but is it like, if you could tell younger Tasha something like, hey, this is what you should know about trying to become a showrunner. Like, what would that be? Hmm. Like, what's the, should they try to be getting into a room like right now? You should try to get into a room as, as soon as possible. Yes. Weirdly, I think the path I've taken is is the right path and, and why that's like advice is simply that all the failures that I've had along the way and all the lessons that I learned from failing, which some of those lessons are you just work really hard, right? It's, it's having a, a really good work ethic because being a showrunner is sort of beyond a full-time job yeah. in many ways because you know some days I can't even write because it's just a day full of emails about various problems that have come up or just things that need to be addressed around the course of the, the show. I think it's, you know, being organized and... Well, interestingly is you wrote features, right? And so yeah. I'm, I'm just realizing this, like, did your first TV job come from a feature or did you write a pilot? I did write a pilot. Yeah. And that's the sample that the showrunner read that got me my job on Witcher. Okay. And that was your first pilot. Mm-hmm. So the only pilot you've ever written mm -hmm. allowed you to become a showrunner. Sure. Yeah, if you want to. That's wanna... inspiring shit right there. <laughs> but that, that pilot took me like five years. So let's just have some context there. Okay. Fair enough. But it is, it's good to know because, you know, I think a lot of times people write features and you're like, I'm stuck in this world. I can't, you know, and mm -hmm. obviously the world has changed. So there's, you know, different forms and different lengths of everything but it's good to know that you kind of you can pivot you know you can pivot you can write something else because you are still writing features while you are writing your pilot absolutely and you can write both you know you can work on a tv show and also write features if you have time so and i recommend doing that as well and then moving forward are you will you ever just write or do you want to just show run forever now so that's an interesting question because I've actually met writers who, once they realized what their showrunner did, once they got to a writer's room, they were like, oh God, I don't want that job. I thought I wanted that job, but I don't want that job at all. I do still want to create my own original material, but I don't want to showrun yeah. it. So there are people who actually make that very concerted choice. And I think it is a choice. I think, and this is definitely how I have thought, which is that if I create a show, I'm going to be the showrunner of it. That's just how it works. Yeah. And that if I don't become the showrunner, it's not going to be my show anymore. And I think if you are the creator and you're still the head writer, you can have a lot of creative control over the scripts of the show. But yes, by handing the reins over to a showrunner, they will be the ultimate boss. So they will be making those casting choices. They will be making um, the director choices. Who's the director? They will be on set with the director. So you are relinquishing that control. But that's totally fine if you want to do that. I mean, more power to the people, to be honest, who realize that yeah. early that they don't want to be a showrunner rather than doing it, driving themselves crazy and then deciding afterwards because it is its own unique thing. Like I said, a big chunk of my job is not even writing. It's just all the stuff around creating the show. And so there's a, a thing that big writers have always said that I never really understood until now, which is that they say you know, don't engage on a show unless you're really, really passionate about it. Because mm -hmm. let's say, and this happened to me on another thing where I took a job writing a pilot that was a job. It was a job. It was a book that I read that was great. Was it my 
biggest passion thing of all time no but it was great i love the script that i wrote for it if that show had sold i would have been a showrunner on that show for god knows how long and it's like if you were the showrunner for that and you're day to day <laughs> the moment you woke up and it's honestly you dream about it this is common <laughs> you just you're in it so much you dream about it yeah for years like maybe maybe you don't want to show run that show and so before when i heard that advice from big writers i was like I mean, just take any job. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, You just yeah, take yeah, yeah. any job. But it is something to consider. And I've completely went on a tangent and I've no idea what your original question was. Well, I was asking if you would ever go out for show running jobs. Or I mean, only like writing jobs, like if you would write off to the side or... I would definitely what? take other jobs. Like I would, yeah. after this, I would go into a, a writer's room if I really loved the show. Sure. Um, but would I show run again? Yes, I, I would. I wonder if they're, I mean, I don't know if this is real, but you know how, like, you can take a break for years and then come back and be a showrunner as long as, like, right? Like, or is there the fear of, like, hey, I have to just keep showrunning or I'll never get a showrunner's job again? Showrunner job. You know, I, I wonder that. It seems like once you've hit showrunner level that you're now in this tier of, it's almost like a bag of tricks that, that a producer yeah. can reach into and be like, oh, showrunner, I'm just going to throw them onto this because it is so difficult to attain that title. And then it's also so difficult to do that title well that once you've achieved it and you've achieved success as a showrunner, then I think you're just in this pool that, and then you, bec you become almost like talent that can be attached to things. Like for um, another pilot, I took out and I pitched and didn't sell. We had another co-showrunner attached to that because I don't have any showrunning live action experience. And um, he is definitely, that showrunner was definitely someone that I think is just in a bag of tricks. That he's a great name with a credible experience that you can just attach to things. And, uh, you know, Netflix will feel comfortable with that because they know yeah. who he is and they know what he's done. So you had said something before about, like, if you have a show show sells, you're going to be the showrunner because you want to oversee it. If it's like your original idea, mm -hmm. are you, if someone sells a show, are you like, is it yours to choose if you're going to be the head writer? Because the way that you made it sound, it was like, I sold this, this is mine. I'm mm -hmm. either going to be the showrunner, I'm going to be the head writer. But if someone like completely new, completely green sells a show, are they automatically like grandfathered into being head writer? I wouldn't say automatically, but I think people will assume that you right. will be the head writer because this is your vision. And then two, if you have a good lawyer slash agent, they will make sure that that's the case. So it should be the case. So make sure it's the case. Well, yeah, because, you know, in specs, you can, you sell something and then it's like out of your then world. It goes away. Yeah. That's what, that's what's so crazy about TV is you, it's funny in rethinking about our episode last week, where you were talking about your your friend who like felt out of the loop on the spec that was like going to directors and writer yeah. or, uh, and um, and talent and actors, it's like yeah that doesn't happen in TV. If you created that and that was a TV show, you would you would be <laughs> you would be the intermediary between that director and that actor. That's the difference. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's so weird. Are you ever going to go back into an, or what? No, you've never even been in person. So you've only been Zoom rooming. Yeah. Are you uh, itching to get back in person? 
No, because I've never do done it. it. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? It does seem weird if you've. It's like uh, if you come up on Zoom in a Zoom room. It's like this is easy. We can do this. Yeah. So much more time efficient. I feel like personally, my humor comes across better if someone's in the room. So I've definitely made jokes in our writer's room that didn't land because <laughs> you're in Zoom. So yeah, in person. Well, no, it's because <laughs> like right well, now is a great. No, example. no, no. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, I, I like drifted away thinking because it's like everyone, even when like the pandemic stuff ha happened, not the pandemic stuff, when the pandemic <laughs> began and we were all Zooming and we're on FaceTime, everyone was like, this might be the end of in-person. Like, yeah. are we only going to work from home? But like everyone I've talked to and myself included, I'm like fucking dying to yeah. have human to human interaction. Yeah. And writer's just, rooms have actually gone back to in-person. Yeah. This that man, it, you can only stay in your place for so long, mm -hmm. even if you are a writer. Like even if you're I know, used to it, as someone who's in, incredibly introverted and likes to just be by myself writing, it'd be nice to be in a writer's room. Yeah, it's just be nice to be around humans mm -hmm. and talk to people, and make sure they're real. We could be robots right now. The Josh alien story is really coming together. <laughs> Damn plot <laughs> twist. Um, so I think that's all I got. I all think right. those were the core questions of show running. Okay. That was wow. easy. That was easier than I thought. I think I rambled a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's great because that's like the surface. Like we, we do get emails and I'm sure you probably get more side questions. And um, uh, it seems to be the same kind of questions of like, how do you become a showrunner? Yeah. How do you become a showrunner? And I think Well, actually, can I answer that question? Because I do feel like before I got this job, it seemed so impossible to get the job. And I just want to demystify it a little bit because how I got this job was I knew a, I met with a producer through a general years ago when I was with my very first manager whom we talked about, Cousin Pete, Cousin Pete. And Cousin Pete. It was just a general. And then I hadn't, we became Facebook friends after that because it was a good general and I like him. And we just kind of kept in touch on Facebook, sort of as you do. Then he mm -hmm. moved companies, I think a couple times, but he moved companies and was like, hey, why don't you come over and meet with me to just hear about what we're doing over here now that I have new stuff to do. And so that often happens. So I went over to him to meet him for another general. And he mentioned, because he saw on my Facebook that I had posted stuff about Tomb Raider and about playing mm. the new Tomb Raider. And I had... Like for a while, my banner was a Tomb Raider banner. And he was like, so I know you like Tomb Raider. <laughs> and just between us, like that's a property that is coming down the pipeline. Would you be interested? And I said, fuck yes, please let me know when that's a reality. I 100% want to be a part of that. And then I sort of went about my life because I thought that was impossible. There's no way I'm going to get that job. He again warned me in that very meeting that because I had no experience, I would probably not get the job. And that if I did, I would be paired with a showrunner. Wow. So I just didn't think I was going to get it. And then months, months and months went by and it was like, okay, now we have the rights officially. Go ahead and prepare your pitch. And it was me against something like four other people, four other writers who came with their own original takes on the story. And um, I just happened to be the one they picked. And it was sort of that simple it wasn't wow it yeah it, it wasn't this sort of crazy is a process that any number of us could do and it just came my way again because i kept in contact with someone and 
damn, how, how did I not ask this question? Didn't I, what, we should have led with this. <laughs> this is crazy. You know what's so nuts about this is if you weren't on social media, yeah, would this have happened? I don't think I don't think this person would have known that I like Tomb Raider. That's, That's for sure. Nuts. So would he have thought of me? Probably not. Wow. What did you post? <laughs> there's this there's this great <laughs> series of I think they were memes or something where in one of the most recent games, um, people were taking pictures of Lara like smiling at the camera. Uh -huh. <laughs> like really like stupid little awkward smiles and i had one of her smiling with a, a leopard that she killed um i think this is a joke no one would care about except people who play the game and it was really funny and so i made it my banner and <laughs> and this guy was like oh my god hey you like tomb raider don't you yeah this is nuts yeah and in that meeting, I was like, do I love Tomb Raider? I'm going to get a Tomb Raider tattoo, like, right here. Here's where it's going. And these are the games that I've played. Like, I was like, yes. Oh, my God. I, like, yeah. I super geeked out in, in the meeting about it. So, yeah. yeah. Passion says a lot. And I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to say it. And we'll just cut it out if I can't say it. But the best part about this is that you once pitched on a Tomb Raider movie. Yeah. You didn't get the job. No. <laughs> and I feel like had you gotten that job, you might not have gotten this job. That's true. And I'm so happy in my current job. Yeah. No, I mean, this. Yeah. I feel like you were like born for currently what's happening. Yeah. This is another example of why the universe is always just looking out. I was so bummed when I didn't get that job. It felt like my dream job, but it turns out this is my dream job. Yeah. But did you know that since you got this job, you didn't get your other dream job? <laughs> <laughs> the Back to the Future reboot meets Lara Croft meets Jurassic Park? <laughs> god <laughs> i think that's it that's all i got all right the tasha story has concluded if there are any follow-up questions by the way please if we didn't cover anything for some reason josh forgot a question <laughs> um please email us at act two writers at gmail.com and we'll, we'll talk about it all right what's our quote of the day all right, this is one of my favorite quotes. It has, it doesn't, this isn't like thematically tied into what we just talked about, but um, I'm just saying it because it's one of my all-time favorite things. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Make act one a mystery, act two a thriller, act three an action film, and that's a pretty good formula for a commercial genre movie from Chris Sparling. Ooh. <laughs> Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act2Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram, on Twitter at Tasha3.0, and you can follow Act2 at Act2Writers on Twitter as well. Boom. Go follow Act2Writers. It's awesome. And, and, and I'm also on Instagram. It's Josh Hallman and Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act2 podcast is a production of Act2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist and music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.